made you try this app? I I've been single for a while and I've just been trying to meet people and a lot of the girls I've met have been really flaky so mm -hmm. I'm just trying to find something more substantial. So, you're beautiful, smart, uh, why are you single? I uh, just got out of a four-year relationship so I'm just trying to get out there, you know? How about those apps I sent you? Have you looked at them? Yeah, but what am I supposed to do? Just swipe yes because of their photo? So where is she now? Um, in my room. You need to put your foot down, otherwise she'll be moved in by Sunday. Your bed is so comfortable. You could be here all day. <laughs> hey everybody, welcome to Bridge the Culture Podcast. I'm your host, Jazz Singh. Uh, as you heard, again, we just keep switching things up. We go from music to movies, and now we got web series, man. Uh, we got a really important one, I think, uh, a great one. Uh, uh, it's called Swipe to Death, man. I'm sure that little promo was got you all going to find this. Uh, we're going to be talking. Today's guest is writer, director, actor, man. Wearing all the hats. Uh, Kabir Chopra is with us. Uh, they can't give you a round of applause because we're all locked inside but i'm sure they're doing it from the confines of their home and stuff kabir how are you man i'm good i'm good thank you so much jazz for having me oh really always 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 um so yeah I, before we jump right into uh swiped uh to death just i guess a little a little bit about yourself man your origin story if you will uh how you got in because like i said you're wearing you're wearing three hats on this thing um and how how does someone like not someone like you but how, how did that journey uh how did you get to where we're at now, and then we'll break down this excellent web series you got going on. Yeah, yeah, man. Uh, so let's see, where did it all begin? I let's see. I was born in New York, and grew up in New Jersey, and I'm back in New York now, back with a vengeance. And uh, yeah, I, I studied film at NYU in their dramatic writing program, and yeah, I just I just loved movies as a kid. And when I was 10 years old, I took a filmmaking class. Uh, it was like a filmmaking summer camp at my middle school. And I just loved the whole process of, you know, setting up a camera, coming up with a story and and just making a film. And I was like, wow. As I thought filmmaking was only for fancy people in Hollywood with, you know, big fancy cameras. But, you know, I got my mom's Sony Handycam and I can, you know, make Rush Hour 3 with my friends because uh, uh, we were only up to rush hour two at that point. Uh, three hadn't come out yet, but uh, I hope you uh, eventually filed a legal case against uh, New Line uh, when it eventually yeah, did come yeah, out. Yeah, don't don't tell Jackie Chan. <laughs> but yeah, man, I, I I I've always been, you know, gently nudged to pursue the arts. You know, both my parents work in finance, and my mom has always been very creative, so she pushed me to go into acting and go into writing and storytelling, which is very unusual for South Asian families. And my dad was supportive. He's like, you know, make sure you do some business courses too. And and I kind of just fell in love with it. And also, like, I, I wasn't really good at anything else as well. I was not a good student. I was terrible at math. I'm, I'm a really bad idiot. I'm terrible at math. Uh, I sucked at sports. Um, I was really bad at drawing and you know, traditional arts or music, but photography and filmmaking was 
getting behind a camera. That's you know what really made me come alive. So that's kind of how it all got started. Well, I mean, uh, you're comfortable behind the camera, but you're clearly very comfortable in front of the camera uh, as well. Um, so was that just so it sounds like if you were making films at an early age, uh, did that I guess I'm assuming back then we all kind of starred in our own films back in the day uh, out of sheer just we have to be in them because we're making them. Uh, so was acting alongside always kind of a one to one or did that come later? It, it kind of came later. My mom is always pushing me to be, you know, Bollywood star, be a superstar. And I'm like, okay, that's nice. And I would do acting classes and, you know, it was fun. But, you know, I really wanted to be behind the camera and, and direct. And it wasn't until, like, after college, uh, some of my friends in New York and at NYU, they started making shorts and they said, hey, Kabir, I'd love to have you read for this short film or I'd love to have you just play a small role in this. And I just did it for fun. And then more people started asking me to be in their projects. And then I thought, okay... I could actually, you know, be an actor as well. And, you know, being an actor and working with different directors, it helps my directing as well, because now I know what kind of feedback works well for me when I'm being directed. So if a director is telling me, be more mad, you know, it's not going to help me. So when I'm directing an actor, I'm not going to tell them be more mad. I'm just going to, you know, there's 10 other better ways to convey that emotion. Um, So you pick up a lot of things as well. Oh, that's good. I mean, yeah, it makes sense that you would uh, use on yourself and others when you uh, get behind the camera. Um, so yeah, it's great. It's uh, like I said, it sounds again, like you said, uh, not unconventional, but a lot of the stories we hear on the podcast tend to be of the uh, you know you're kind of on one path for most of your uh, growing up, and then you branch out to like the art stuff because it was truly what you wanted to do all along. But it sounds like. Uh, uh, I'm saying you had loving parents, is what I'm saying. Uh, but uh, I got very lucky. I've been very <laughs> no, no, it's it's great, man. I, it's 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 always great to hear because I I didn't I obviously didn't plug B Raja earlier, but I guess I'll do it now. Um, the platform B Raja TV. If you haven't already, man, Android, Roku, uh, Apple, everywhere, Amazon, anywhere you can watch things, we are everywhere. So um, a big thing about that platform was getting content that would be kind of what you're talking about which is we've been doing it all along but how do you congregate it how do you show it to people who may be in a not your boat but like in a different boat of like you know what i know i don't know if i am uh if this is a feasible thing right so we kind of want that to open those doors for uh you know a generation that maybe didn't have uh that uh, opportunity but also just just that kind of look at it like it's something that you know i would nice to have like a bunch of references to show your parents uh, like look people are doing it uh, and yeah, it's the parents love references exactly yeah exactly it's basically uh, yeah you're basically just going like look this is <laughs> this is the bio data of everybody here who uh, is a complete uh, not a complete failure in their parents eyes um, so i don't have to be there yeah, I mean, it's so important though like it's so important even for me to see people who look like me succeed in our field I mean, for me, it was, you know, I grew up watching Cal Penn and The Namesake and, you know, Harold and Kumar and, you know, like those movies, uh, American Daisy. I was 10 years old when I watched that. 
I was like, holy crap, there's a movie. So that's a deep cut I throw around a lot because it's one of my first. Uh, yeah, exactly. In terms of both like South Asian representation, the fact that like both of us can say this, Jersey represent, uh, being, shot at yeah. Rock, being shot at Rutgers. Um, it was also my first introduction to like a Turban character as a like a co-lead almost. So like to, it, that to me is I don't think anyone talks about it now because like Cal Penn went off to do other things and stuff. But like the general s- consensus of like yeah we d- that's what we had we had like bootleg VHS tapes of American Disney that summer, um, and look how far we've come. Now we've got an easily accessible uh, Kabir Chopra out here making making his own American Disney kind of stories, man. And it's it really does weirdly come full circle. I find when I start seeing content or start talking to people because uh, what you do really well to go fully into Swiped now, uh, what I really appreciated is uh, just sheer normalcy, man. Like, I I think we have, we're trying to achieve so much and obviously we're still touching upon things that are like, oh, you know, please accept us and please, you know, take this on as something that also exists in like this American bubble. But like you completely right out the gate are just like, hey, we're here. This is normal, uh, and yeah, there's 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 like subtle aspects of it, but you're not harping on it. You're not kind of, you know, stopping the lives of your characters uh, and saying like, "Hey, now let me tell you this like history lesson about our people and stuff." Yeah. Like it, it's it's very much like, listen, you you know people like me and and these characters because we've always been here. Uh, and one of the things I really took away from your piece was that of just you anybody who's anybody can just jump right in and whether you're South Asian or not, but if you're South Asian, there's an extra layer of just like, man, this guy sees me. If these characters see me, man, I'm curious. So uh, Swipe to Death must have uh, its roots in some of that stuff that you're talking about, but like, what was the uh, going into it? Because again, you're the writer, director, and you're in it. But even from like page one, what was your mindset going into it? Um, Or what kind of inspired you to get to like these are stories that need to be told and also i gotta tell them like this and not kind of an over heavy-handed kind of way yeah yeah um i'm glad you asked so swipe to death began back in 2015 where you know one lonely night i was sitting at home watching netflix and master of none just dropped on netflix and my buddy gerard lobo uh, another fantastic actor uh, he, my buddy was in two episodes. I'm like, okay, I gotta watch the show, see, see my boy, and I started watching it. I'm like, holy crap! There's South Asian dude like me, brought up in America, in New York, dating, trying to meet that special someone. Like that's me. That's my life. That's a comedy. You got to sue them too now. Look at that. So Rush Hour Three, you got to sue, and Netflix, you got to sue. Well, I mean, it's an inspiration. It's a source yeah, of inspiration. Right. Yeah, yeah. And you know, like we we all have to grab inspiration from somewhere. Yeah. And so I'm like, you know, what? if this dude can do this, why can't I? And you know, I've kind of on the side, I've kind of been collecting a bunch of really awful. Uh, Am I allowed to curse on this? Yeah, man, go for it. Awesome. Parents, I've it. been collecting a lot of batshit crazy dating stories. Uh, not just from my own experience, but from my friends, especially my female friends, especially my, my brown female friends in New York. And I'm like, oh my God, like the guys are just awful. Like, these are some awful dates. And not, not even awful, just like strange. Like 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 behavior, like you can't you can't uh, 
make it up. The truth is really stranger than fiction. Mm-hmm. So I was like, you know what? Maybe I can combine these two forces because I've been wanting to tell, you know, the South Asian, you know, New York experience through my point of view and also do a series on just bad dates. So that's kind of how Swipe to Death started. I started um, assembling, um, you know, a male storyline with, you know, a guy going on these weird dates with these weird women. And then also a female storyline showing it from a woman's point of view because, you know, a woman's dating experience, especially a South Asian woman's dating experience in New York City is very different from a man's. And that's how I created, you know, my character, Jay. And then I also created uh, Rima's character uh, named Farah. So that's kind of how it got started. Yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, that's great. Like, the, it's always, it's a perfect catalyst for any story, um, but an even better one when it's got kind of the subtext of expectation and, and stuff like that. And so, uh, so this is all, it, like, it looks fantastic, man. You guys all shot this in New York, obviously. Um, your your cast is wonderful. Like everybody from you know you and, and your co lead to just every character that kind of comes on, uh, be it the dates themselves. Like it really does give me a sense of like. Obviously, we know you're building towards a relationship that you're building towards, but at the same time, each individual episode, which is um, uh, structured as a date between either Jay and, and another woman or Farah and another man, and it just it even in those little pieces, it really does feel like it gave me a sense of like, it felt very like how I met your mother um, uh, in its kind of conception. And, and, and it's kind of like just free, free for all, you know, uh, follow these characters around and, and get to like their quirks. Like I was finding myself liking these, these d- dates that you guys were going on. I was like, Oh, you know what? This is a totally potential here. Even in the back of my mind, knowing that I can see where the game plan is going, but I was like, "Yeah, but this is this is it's keeping me it's keeping me interested because I want to watch, uh, I want to grow with these characters as they go through these uh, these relationship kind of you know hurdles or at least checkpoints before they ultimately coincide and meet." Um, so yeah, I, I but yeah, like I said, the the cinematography is is great. How you guys shot this, the the smoothness of it, the it feels very natural. So that speaks to both how it's shot but also just your style of of writing and directing so did you find that was that something that was always the plan uh it looked like i said it looks great it looks pretty uh it looks expensive i guess is what i'm trying to say yeah. um uh yeah. well, I, was try- I was trying to like how do i how do i be like oh it looks uh it like it, it looks legit man and that's kind of like i look at it and i was like man I, I we need to see more of this on a bigger uh uh like it's it's funny this is the week that um Mindy Kaling's new show just uh, dropped on yeah, Netflix, yeah. and uh, as I'm watching your show over the weekend, a part of me was like, I, I understand what that show is trying to do with the South Asian experience, but I'm like, I don't know, man. I, I feel like we got to get into the mid-20s, you know, that 30, that little age bracket, I think, has a lot of stories to tell um, that don't hinder on just like you know teenage angst i mean obviously we're all guilty of teenage angst uh, and some would say our culture still carries that teenage angst up until the uh, the 20s and stuff but as i was watching your show i just thought i want this netflix should have this like this is a i i agree yeah he's like you're speaking you're he's like you're preaching to the choir man um get the show on there just yeah just 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 the idea of like if netflix can make a, a show like friends from college which was uh 
uh, I thought, my opinion. Uh, you've got you've got worthwhile stories to tell. I don't know if you like that show or not, or if you've seen it, but I just feel like you do a better job of making me like these people, uh, and that we need likable characters. We're gonna break into the the mainstream, if you will, and you do that. So I'm curious, getting like I know you're knowing your genesis of where it comes from with your with your friends and, and those stories in bringing it about. This is 2015. When do you guys shoot this? How do you shoot it? Um, what was that like? Because I was almost questioning questioning that as I was watching too. I was like, man, this is it's really well done. How did they pull this off in the way that it did? Yeah, yeah, it was it was definitely you know we we kind of learned as we went, and it, it took a a, wa- a long while to get the ball rolling. I mean, I started writing the script in 2015, and then it took me about a year to get a solid draft of the full first season. We actually had nine episodes written so you know we had we have two extra episodes that you know we weren't able to shoot but i'm keeping them in my back pocket yeah you never know but yeah in 2016 we did the table read with you know rima tim sarah uh some of the other actors and you know we uh we're it was actually at um a south asian performing arts festival called tamasha in new york and we were in their series of table reads and we actually won an award for best table read that year. So I was like, holy crap, we won an award. We haven't even shot anything yet. This is off to a great start. And and the response was amazing. I mean, the actors were loving it. And the audience was dying in laughter. And, and I was like, okay, we got to make this happen. So then it took about another year of more writing and rewriting and rewriting and tightening up the script. And then, like, scrapping money together. Um, I you know, scheduled a shoot date for the, our, our first episode. And then we had to postpone that. Then we had another date and we had to postpone that. And then we were, we were about to start shooting. And at the last second, the bar we booked, um, got another reservation. They're like, sorry, we can't have you film. And that just threw everything out the window. I was like, you know what? Maybe we need a little more time. And so we didn't actually shoot the first two episodes until January, 2018. But I'm glad we waited because, you know, every time we got delayed, you know, I went back to my desk, kept working on the script. And, you know, I don't think the show would have been as good as it is now if I didn't take that extra time to just tighten it up. And so once we shot those episodes, we released the first two episodes. So Faro's first date and Jay's first date in September 2018. Then we had a big launch party. And it was great. We, we got like 10,000 views on both across both episodes. And then, you know, we, I was able to put some money together just to, sh- to shoot those, but um, I didn't have enough money to shoot a whole full season. So we needed to fundraise. So then yeah, we took some time and we did a crowdfunding campaign. We raised $36,000 on Seed and Spark, which is like Kickstarter, but it, it's just for film and TV projects. It's a fantastic website. And so summer 2019, we we raised the money and we used the first two episodes as like a as like a teaser. Like, hey, if you like these episodes and you want more, contribute to our fundraiser and we'll give you more episodes. And and then we got the money and then we shot five new episodes. And we shot them this past uh, fall. And then we just released them now. 
So they're on YouTube. So obviously, excellent, excellent timing. People can now definitely check it out because we know you're not doing anything. Uh, you have no excuse. Yeah, you have no yeah, exactly. And if you do, you still got time because you're still not going to have anything to do for a little while longer. So like, who are you trying to trying to fool here? Yeah, that's wicked, man. Like that you do makes. Not need to watch more Tiger King. No more. Yeah, yeah. Another show that Netflix needs to get over itself with. Uh, but. Uh, yeah, I mean that's that's it. Kind of feels like it was uh, a perfect. Um, maybe not at the time, but like it seems like that is a excellent path. Like if your first two episodes you shot well over like two years ago, uh, they really are a great benchmark for a what's to come. But also like of course people would want to be like we're definitely going to support that. So like kudos to that of uh, maintaining the quality of what people uh would have wanted from more and stuff um so did you find it was it hard like obviously you've had some logistical errors that you're saying that you had but like was other than that i'm guessing because you're you're a native son and stuff so i feel like it must have been completely second nature to to find out where to shoot how to shoot it uh and get around any obstacles you might have uh shooting in uh, the big apple yeah i mean it's it's, it's never easy it just gets easier. Like like the first couple days are always the hardest because you're trying to find your rhythm. Um, and then there's always unexpected obstacles. Like, you know, like we, we shot these episodes over the course of two years, right? And so since that time, you know, Rima had a baby. And so, you know, we had to work with her schedule. You know, Tim is also a father. He, you know, Tim Cordell plays my roommate. And so... You know, a lot of my actors are parents, so you need to work around their schedule. And and then while we're shooting the new episodes, one of my other actresses was pregnant. And so she's like, okay, we need to film now or wait, you know, there are five or six months. And then it'll be winter. And then, you know, we can't, it's going to be much harder to shoot outside when it's 30 degrees. And you don't have coronavirus. Because none of us knew that was going to happen, but, you know... (laughs) And so, you know, scheduling is always going to be a nightmare. But I had a really amazing um, assistant director and uh, production coordinator, Alicia and Catherine. So they helped me stay really organized. I had an amazing crew. And, uh, yeah, we just got it done. But shooting in New York is always it's a fun challenge. Because, especially when you're on the street, you've got sirens, you've got airplanes, you've got street performers you got tourists you've got random people trying to ask to be in your shot um we were harassed by these two women who started blasting music trying to ruin our shot um random random things only in new york right only you you persevered uh to segue off of you were talking about casting now are these all it's all cats you've already you know. I mean, you obviously know them, but like, were they all pretty much called together from people that were around? Uh, just because I feel like in writing this, I'm guessing you you wrote for people you knew. Yeah, yeah. Most of the actors I, I've known for a while. So Rima and I, uh, we've been friends for ages, and you know, we uh, we're both in the same acting school, Studio Four, and. Um, yeah, I mean, when I started writing it, I was trying to imagine, like, who do I know that would be great for this role? And then I just bumped into Rima at a, at 
a party one night and we we're chatting. I'm like, you know what? She's far. That's it. So I asked her, I'm like, hey, do you want to be in my web series? She's like, yeah, sure. I'm like, awesome. And then she booked Jessica Jones and then she booked Orange is the New Black. And then I, she was actually filming Orange is the New Black while we were shooting those first episodes. So that's like, it was another logistical nightmare, but she made it work uh, because she's amazing. And yeah, Gerard Lobo, um, you know, I'd done a bunch of projects with him in the past and yeah, I threw him into this. Uh, Ami Sheth, who's in the blind spot. I've been friends with her for years. And you know, I, I told her like years ago, even before I wrote the episodes, I said, I have an idea for this. I don't know where, I don't know when it's going to happen, but I want you in it. She's like, done. So she came on board. Uh, one of the other actors who I didn't know before, uh, who was recommended to me, was Austin Michael Young. And he's in the episode uh, Farrow and Danny. So he plays the tall, handsome stranger who picks up Farrow at the bar. And he was actually recommended to me by Ami uh, because I had trouble finding someone uh, to play that role. And, you know, he was been on Black Mirror. He's been on a bunch of other shows. And he sent me this... He's good. Brilliant, hilarious self-tape audition. I'm like, that's it. And and I, I didn't even meet him until he showed up to set. And he had this great smile, great energy, and you know, he just nailed it. So, so yeah, I, it, I, I was very blessed to have a great network of actors at my disposal. I was going to say, it's. Uh, I like how you were almost like inceptioning it in people's minds. Uh years in the past is like hey man just let you know i will come and bother you for this <laughs> like uh, a number of years uh and and to their credit they've honored it and you've honored your your promise to do it and it's uh yeah it really just can't say enough good things about it man uh, i hope people uh go and check it out um so season one now is there your two episodes in your back pocket aside um Obviously, it's a weird it's a weird time to uh, to talk to creatives. I find because it's like on one hand, I feel like aren't we all hopefully still getting things done on in the best way that we can in this uh, environment? But also, it's like how do you how can I ask you about like well, what season two look like, or how can I ask you about like what else is in the works? It's like what I mean from a production standpoint, maybe that's not a, an easier easy question to answer now. Maybe two months ago, it was a little more optimistic. But what are other are, are there plans for more? Uh, are there plans to like pitch like now that you got a first season in your pocket, the same way you had two episodes to sell? Uh, are you finding that now it'll it should be easier now that it's out there? Maybe we got to kind of test the waters of now I've got a whole thing here to really package together for interest what do you what are you finding or yeah perhaps, yeah. yeah i mean it's uh it's definitely a strange time to be creative and you know i i yeah i'm i'm an optimist and you know i i see this as just a long hiatus or a long break and it's actually a good time to start writing again and yeah i've been writing new stuff i've been working on a new feature film that uh finishing up a new draft of and there's other projects um you know trying to get going um on the back end and yeah i mean i've definitely given a lot of thought for season two and there's strong potential for a season two and i definitely want to find a way to start pitching this to to networks and and try to build this out and you know like why not why not get this on netflix why not get this on hbo 
If anybody knows anyone at those two places, we will we will do our best. Yeah. We will do our best to uh, to network our our own uh, uh, connections to see. Because I guess I, I just I like I said it, it needs a. I mean, the home it's got right now is tremendous. It's available for anyone to watch whenever they want to watch it. Um, so we're I'm hoping, like I said, it just it just kind of released as a full thing. So you've still got. Given how your process has worked thus far, it feels like maybe this the rest of the year is spent making sure the eyeballs are all there on what's there, and then um, you know, best case scenario for any any of us really is like in 2021, the momentum that you've now built, hopefully with the eyes, translates to uh, something um, even bigger. Um, do you find so uh, you said you you started off director? And then writing, I think, just comes with that because as a writer myself, it just feels like you have a better handle on your own material to direct. Um, and then acting, what do you... This is like the a really lame like question I feel like everyone gets. Uh, Preference-wise, it sounds like you're doing a lot more writing now and then a lot more directing in the future. Do you find that to be more of a comfort zone for you than acting or does it really depend project to project? Uh, I like the way you phrase that. Uh because I, I do get that question a lot, and it's always like, if you had to choose one for the rest of your life, writing, no. directing, acting, no, no, no. And like, what would you do? I'm like, I don't have to choose. Why do I need to choose? What is yeah, this dystopian exactly. future that I have to choose? Yeah. yeah. So I like the way you phrase that. So thank you. Because that's how I would want the question posed to me as someone who tries to yeah. be all three myself. Like, I, I just feel like I, because again, it sounds like the obvious answer is whatever I get. Like, whatever I get, I'll do as I get it. But I know that as as a as a writer director, um, myself, it feels like sometimes there are like in this quarantine moment, I find like I I really want to keep the uh, the writing turban on, you know. I really want to get, um, I really want to keep, I want to keep that on because I, currently it's the only thing I can do. One, but it's almost like me in the past telling myself in the future, like when you when we get out of this, you're gonna have so much to rummage through. And figure out what you want to direct or what you want to, you know, what you want to kind of go for. So I'm curious. That's why I'm almost curious is if sometimes there are things I'm just like, you know, I want to write it, but I don't really want to do anything else on it. Um, so do you find that happens to you or is everything kind of married to? It's a mix. Like there's, you know, I've got a lot of ideas. I've got a lot of scripts that I'm, I've written or I am writing that I definitely want to write and, you know, put into a story. And some of those I want to direct and some of them, you know, I don't want to direct necessarily, but I just want to be part of the creative force. And then there's, you know, projects I'd love to act in more stuff. I would love to be on Billions. I would love to be in Game of Thrones. I don't know how realistic that is, but. Well, that last one might be a problem. <laughs> well, maybe a spinoff. You never, you know, it's the era yeah, of the. They are doing the, those prequels. So. Yeah, yeah, go for it, man. Shoot yeah. your shot. Shoot your shot. But yeah, I mean, there's, there's projects that, you know, I want to act in and just act in. And, you know, I am an actor in New York and, you know, I'm auditioning for stuff always. And, you know, I'm always excited to jump into my friends' projects. And then there's stuff that I want to write and direct, but I don't necessarily want to be in. So there's there's projects in all three uh, fields that that I'm excited about, and there's a little bit of crossover, but but I like to keep my options open. Yeah, because I mean that's something I I know I've been saying you've been wearing all the hats for swiped, but like you you wrote and directed 
all of the episodes. Yeah, and that that's that in itself is is a challenge. Too. That's what I, yeah, I'm get, I'm commending you on that because I as I was going through it, uh, I don't know in my brain I already kind of saw it as like this this kind of network TV show and stuff. So in my head I'm just like oh you know maybe after this one it'll be written and direct or it'll be written by you or directed by somebody else and stuff. Not to like take you off the project or anything, but I just felt like, oh, it'd be it, let's see what this looks like. But then to find out that they were all you, uh, I felt like, oh man, that's that's fantastic. One that you got to do that um, because you know, given what I was already feeling about the project, I thought, man, it must have been quite the undertaking to uh, be wearing all those hats. But again, again, smart move not being in all the episodes uh, and focusing. Yeah, that would have been yeah. way too right. much. Because uh, there's a moment in the second episode when. Um, when Farah and her redhead friend are in the park, where I saw you in the background, yeah, I, I really, did, I really appreciate it. You noticed, there, very yeah, good. Oh, there's so many. Ten uh, points to Gryffindor. <laughs> uh, I would have done the same thing, man. I appreciate it. Uh, the um, so that moment happened, and I thought, I know what you're doing, I, and I was so just like, this guy gets it because uh, it's not just a like you can jump in whenever you want. But like the replay value alone on moments like that. Um, but I thought, hey, you know, he's not overdoing it to the point where I'm like, man, this guy is really just putting himself everywhere and overstretching it. You know the strength of your characters. You know the strength of let Farah handle her own little arc. Um, and that little reminder is enough for us uh, to be like, yeah, you know what? I, okay, back of my mind, I like that dude. Uh, and I, this is a nice little subtle thing. So I, I, I thought that was interesting that you do that a bunch in the show. Um, and so I imagine going forward, that would be, would you, I mean, you're obviously, I would imagine open to, to kind of taking that, not burden, but like taking that like off your shoulders for a bit. If you have the collaborators. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, even for these new episodes, I, you know, I talked to uh, a good buddy of mine, um, to potentially come on as a director and that way, you know, I could just focus on the acting and, you know, the, you know, more creative parts of the production and um, at, at the end, I kind of just decide, you know, let's just keep keep it going as it is. We've got a good rhythm. We've got a great team already. Um, I've got an amazing cinematographer, Lucas Lopez. Like, he reads my mind. He knows my style. He's an incredibly easy person to, to work with. So, you know, when I'm on set and I'm in, you know, J mode, that... You know, he can call the shots. I trust him fully. And, you know, those days, um, even when I'm on set and I've delegated everything and I'm on camera, like, my mind is still like, okay, what are my lines again? Shit, what are my lines? Okay, what time is lunch? Are we on schedule? Does my hair look okay? Like, this is everything going through. Full out, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, so that, that, it's funny. So then this is not quite the same question as, like, what do you prefer? But, like, from, uh, you know similar backgrounds the two of us uh i guess we can be honest about it what do you think what are what do you think you're the best at uh i think it's definitely writing okay yeah. so i'd say the same thing probably right. um so, yeah just rank it go ahead and rank it writer yeah right i would put writer actor then director we have the same ranking for ourselves oh, <laughs> awesome. um yeah, no, and that's I'm, I'm, that's another thing. I feel like you can only ask that for someone. It's so it's not like one of those like you're not saying you suck at either of them, but it's just like it's the idea of like you know your strength, 
Um, and this is again, it's testament to you because the the writing is really strong on this, uh, which makes the other two of the other things that much easier, I find. Um, yeah, and then that way I don't need to like spend all this time communicating yeah, my yeah. vision to a director. I could just do it myself. Exactly. And, and that's kind of why I became a director in the first place is because yeah, I've written all these short scripts, even you know in school, you know, like why do I need to hand it off to a director who's gonna try to do his own thing like or her thing? Like what I'll just do it myself because I know what I want. And you know, and, and it's not just sitting, on my hard drive, the script or the script isn't sitting in my desk for ten years. You know, I can actually make it. So that's why I started directing, just to bring my own stuff to life. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of. I mean, I grew up uh, pretty much. Admi- everyone I admired was basically a writer director. So it, in my brain, it felt like, isn't that how you're supposed to do it? And then as I got older, I was like, well, that makes it makes sense because. Who other than the person who spent, you know, the long, lonely hours writing it? Uh, who's better to understand it? Or, not understand it, but, like, convey it to an actor or convey it to the people who are going to bring it together. Now, like, I always say that as a technical director, I'm absolutely the worst in that I couldn't tell you lenses and I couldn't tell you uh, any of that technical mumbo-jumbo. But as far as like you know the feeling of a scene the thematic elements like all that narrative stuff or character stuff i can do and i find like you said if your dp is you know as your dp was full, you know in control of their craft that it makes it so much easier for for us to focus on nailing the um the emotional core of it and then knowing kind of resting easy on yeah you'll sign off on it but rest easy that like that will everything else will support that because once you know that and you can convey it, then everybody else is like, yeah, I get what's going on. And there's no sense of like, it needs to be this or else. And you're like, just yeah, everyone is kind of on the same page. And I find that to be a big boon uh, on a crew. If it's just, you're not, con- I mean, at least me, I find if I'm not constantly yelling out like technical specifications, I feel more comfortable. Like oh, everyone gets it. Great. I, Cause everyone is good at their job. Yeah, um, exactly. So I, that takes a load off my shoulders. I find uh, it sounds like you find yeah. the same thing. Yeah, yeah. There's there's always a point where you need to just delegate and let go. Like I, I know the basics of production and cameras and lighting and whatnot, but you know, like I'm not gonna, you know, like 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 all these Steve Job quotes, like you know, or what, what does he say? You, know, you don't hire the best people in the world just to tell them what to do. Um, you hire them to tell you what to do. Basically. And so yeah, so like I, you know. I hired an amazing cinematographer and an amazing gaffer. I'm not going to tell them how to set up the lights. I, I told them the kind of vision I want, and then I let them do their thing because they're going to light and choose the right lenses. They're going to light everything beautifully, and everything's going to be set, and it's going to be 10 times better than I would have done on my own. So, And it makes you look so much better. Uh, in- exactly. <laughs> it's, a win- it's a win-win. It's a win-win. Yeah, it's like it's like the best thing. Like like when I when I talk to new filmmakers and they get overwhelmed about I know nothing about audio, I know nothing about cameras, I know yeah. nothing about lighting. I'm like, it's so easy. Just hire people to do it for you, and then you're good. I mean, yeah, you should know the basics, but yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but like that's what I mean. Is like it just, and then that's when the uh, pardon the cliche, but the magic happens because for me personally, I'm. Because of that, I'm constantly still allowed to kind of be in awe of what 
sometimes what you're creating. Um, I feel like a lot of, um, you know, all hat wearers sometimes are, like you said, is my hair okay? Is craft going to be okay? Is the, you know, are we, uh, permits are good, everything's fine. You, that's always going to be swirling up here. But be, but that moment of just like, holy shit, look what we just did, whether it's a shot, whether it's, you know, a sequence or whatever. Um, I feel like because I'm not so in my head about that stuff all the time that I can kind of go, man, biased clearly, but like, man, um, we did that or we, you know, collectively we did that. Uh, and, and that's always great. Is there anything like that, uh, for you on working on swipe to death? Was there something where you just like, we've got so like, we've, I mean, you got a lot here, but we, we just felt like we've got so like we gold, we got gold here. Was there a particular yeah. shot yeah. scene? Uh, yeah, I mean, there are a lot of moments. There's, you know, the, oh gosh. Feel free to spoil it. People will watch. Episode. People will watch this. It's fine. Yeah, in the first episode where um, it was Jay and Lily where, you know, I'm at the bar with Christina, um, who's playing my date. And, you know, we had a, it, that was a long day. So we, we found a bar who let us film there. And they said the only time you can film is on Sunday morning from 6 a.m. to 2 p.m. Because that's when they're closed. Um, and they said, you're not, you know, it's going to be a little messy because we won't have time to clean up from the Saturday night shift. But, you know, it's all good. And so we get there. I'm like, okay, we'll clean up, whatever. And we get there and, like, there's still people drinking at the bar. When it was closed? Yeah, I guess some people were wrapping up. And we get there at 5.45 in the morning to set up, and there's still people finishing up at the bar. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is going to be a long day. And you know, <laughs> they, they left. It was fine. And then we cleaned up the bar, and then we shot, and we shot. And, like, we like we all got, like, three hours of sleep. And, you know, we're just running on fumes. We got everything done, and you know, we had plenty of time to clean up the bar afterwards, and we left, and you know, they were super nice to us. And then I remember just getting back to my apartment with the crew, and I just was about to pass out, and then Lucas was there. He's like, hey, let's check out the dailies. And so I opened my laptop. We started watching the stuff we shot that day, and it's a shot of me and Christina at the bar, and I was like, dude, this is some... CW shit. <laughs> that, that's how I'm going to promote this, by the way. I'm going to just uh, waltz around and be like, yo, this is some CW shit, but better. Better. The lighting was on point. The camera, like the lenses, everything was like blurred just perfectly in the background. And, you know, we had six background actors and they were placed perfectly. So it feels like there was 20 people in the bar. And, like it felt like a movie, man, and and I was just so excited about the potential because that was just the raw footage. We haven't even edited or colored or anything, so that was that was a big moment of like, yeah, this is happening now. I love hearing that stuff, man. It's just because it's it's uh, those are like I feel like the small joys you have to kind of steal away for yourself um, in like the just fast paced world of like, let's get it done. Uh, I mean, fast-paced in the sense of this was obviously a years in the making kind of a thing, and, and you guys got it done. But like that, those things would I like? Oh, that's what you're not gonna you're not gonna get that 
when it comes time to pack, you know, polish and package it off, uh, people aren't going to get that sense of uh, kind of you know wonder or that you're going to have as someone who takes ownership of it and stuff. Um, so that's great. Um, that might be a good place to wrap up. I think. Uh, be like, I love this show. I made it. It's wonderful. Um, <laughs> some CW shit, um, as it were. CW shit. Um, yeah, I mean that's that's it's. Like I said, I, I know what you meant by that because on one hand, someone's like, oh, you. It's almost a high compliment, but it's also like also it could be construed as not so great if you've ever seen CW content. Um, but uh, yeah, you've knocked it out of the park. This ain't no Riverdale shit. You've done a. You've uh, you've done a great service to. Um... Actually, no. Let's last point because I feel like we should touch upon this a little bit because I started the podcast off and I don't know if we touched upon it totally, but that normalcy factor that I talked about. Um, obviously, given uh, I'm assuming we're of, we're of similar age, you might be slightly younger uh, than I, but uh, I'm, sure. basing, I'm basing it all off of how old you were when you watched American Disney. That's it. That's all I'm saying. Uh, so, but not much. That, that's my timeline in my head. I'm like, if he was ten, I was. Um, so, uh, yeah, so did you ever, I'm assuming the response on this from South Asians has obviously been, must, must be great. But was there ever a, was there ever a point that you felt like, cause it doesn't sound, seem like there was, uh, or at least did you ever struggle with the idea of like how much of it, am I towing a line between, uh, you know, complete it's just innateness like we are or do I feel obligated to maybe put some more of a explainer or do you think the content itself was so self-explanatory that you didn't need to really dive into that so much if that makes sense I'm not sure if I explained that properly yeah yeah I think I know what you mean and I think it's um it's something that I you know like my filmmaking style it's something I became more comfortable with over the years as I kept creating and taking more risks and seeing them pay off. And yeah, I mean, there's, you know, some earlier drafts in the script where, you know, it was very, you know, you know, South Asian y. And I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm a Daisy Daisy and everything has to be Daisy and I need to explain everything. And, you know, this is my Daisy struggle and it's Daisylicious and, you know, I do. These are all direct quotes. I have to represent my community because we're underrepresented in the media. And then, as I started to tone that down a bit and just make it more, just realistic to my experience in that story of you know being just a dude in New York trying to meet someone, then it became a lot more universal. Then it, people started relating it to relating to it more, and. And I wanted to make a show that everyone could enjoy. Of course, I want to highlight in the South Asian community. I want to make it specific um, to me and to you know my cast. But you know, I want white people to enjoy this. I want black people to enjoy this. I wanted a diverse cast. You know, I didn't want an all brown cast because that's not my experience in New York. I didn't want an all white cast. I didn't want an all-anything cast because that's not my experience. New York is New York. It's the melting pot. It's the best of everything. And so I just tried to hone down on those roots and just tell the basic story of a guy trying to meet a girl. And I think that's something that everyone can relate to. Yeah, like I'm saying, I think that 
what you do, what you eventually stripped away and what eventually made it into the cut um, is super subtle in like the best of ways. Like I said, it's an added layer for um, any of us who are like, okay, you know, it's a very specific, uh, li- it has a very specific lived in quality and, and it's obvious why. Um, and like I said, that, that those, those details coupled with the universality you're talking about make it something that I, I hope people watch. Um, and I hope you get to do more of, man. Um, with obviously the other stuff you're working on. But like this to me seems like a, it's a surefire uh, thing that needs to, needs to do something uh, in, the scene, in the scene that we're in now. So uh, like I said, yeah. we'll do our best. You're obviously going to keep chipping away at it. Um, but uh, yeah, any, any closing thoughts on either on Swiped? If you want to go ahead and plug it, you can plug it. We've, this whole thing has been an hour-long plug. Yeah, so yeah, watch Swipe to Death, all seven episodes of season one are on YouTube, so you can check it out on swipetodeath.com, and we're on Instagram, I'm on Instagram, at Kabir is here, and yeah, I mean, parting words, I think, um, just create shit, just, you know, like, if you have a story in you that you want to tell, whether it's in a film, or in a play, or in a book, or in a poem, or you know, whatever medium speaks to you, just go out and do it, you know, like pick up a camera. Your phone has more camera capability today than, you know, $100,000 cameras had, you know, when I was a kid, like, like you can go out and make a film. I'm actually thinking I'm you know, stuck here, you know, at my mom's house. I don't have any of my, my fancy filmmaking gear but i've got my iphone i was actually thinking about making a short little quarantine phone film iphone film words whatever (laughs) making a quarantine short film on my iphone give him a break everyone he's a writer but right now it's tough for everybody it's tough for everybody (laughs) writing is hard man words are hard i'm on i'm on quarantine time okay i'm I'm, I'm agreeing with you Uh, (laughs) i'm I'm waiting for that moment where like somebody the other day was like man you've been writing a lot since you've been locked up and i said yeah but i'm telling you like when this when this whole thing is over i'm really hoping that when i look back on the stuff that i've written that at least like even 50 percent of it holds up and it's not just like put something on the page kind of a thing so uh there's gonna be more drafts in our future i'm sure but i'm always like yeah we'll, we'll see not a bad idea to do like a quarantine uh short or a quarantine just experiment i feel like if we all should have a couple of those in our yeah. camera rolls yeah like do do something curry just make something make anything and don't worry about it being good like even ernest hemingway said the first draft of everything is shit and yeah. it's always the second third fifth tenth twentieth draft that's when you know it gets awesome but don't be afraid to just to quote ernest hemingway again for swipe to death some cw shit <laughs> Yeah, we're making shirts. Uh, so, Gabir, uh, thank you so much, man, for uh, for indulging us uh, uh, in both this podcast, but also with just the content you put out, man. I, I really can't wait uh, to see what comes of this venture, uh, more of your stuff. Uh, yeah, thank you. Thanks for coming on, man. This is, it was a good call. I hope you had a good time. Of course, thank you for having me. This has been a lot of fun and. Again, um, we'll have more conversations. The faster you make more things, man, get on it. Uh, yeah, so, uh, on it. Uh, yeah, season two. I'm trying to get myself in that shit, man. I'm trying to <laughs> let's do this.
I would love to make a season two. Let's 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 survive this pandemic That's first. That's it. That's it. Um, all right, man. This was Bridge the Culture podcast. I am your host, Jas Singh. Kabir Chopra joining us. Um, until we bridge again, man. Take care. See you next week. Looking for you, no one else, boy, boy.